Albert Einstein. Anytime you hear that name, you automatically think intelligence. You think of one of the greatest minds in history. And no, we're not talking about Stephen Hawking and his stupid game chair. None of that. None of that at all. The moment you hear Albert Einstein, you're automatically going to think, okay, something very smart and intelligent is happening or is about to happen. Anytime somebody does something that's overachieving in school, anything like that, whatever subject it may be, you automatically know that, that timeless joke. Oh, look at this guy right here. He's trying to be Albert Einstein. That's what you get. You don't hear, oh, look at this guy over here sitting down, learning. What is he trying to be, Stephen Hawking? No, you don't hear those types of jokes. Possibly because you could get in trouble. But when you think of a movie about Albert Einstein's life, you're automatically going to assume that it's well thought out and smart, and it's going to win all these awards. But today's movie is not any of that at all. It is none of the above. Actually, when you watch this, or if you decide to go out and seek this movie, you will be dumber for having to watch it. I apologize for doing this movie, but I had a real big nostalgia trip with it. So today we're doing 1988's Young Einstein. If you have followed this podcast before, uh, you'll know that, guess what? I didn't have enough money growing up. We didn't grow up with the biggest amount of, of cash. So we did what every other red-blooded American would have done. We stole cable. Everybody's done it. I don't care who you think you are. So we had the premium channels, HBO and Showtime. Every morning I would get up really early to watch Young Einstein. HBO played this probably about four or five times out of the week, early mornings, 5 a.m., uh, you're probably wondering, well, what are you doing being that young, possibly eight, nine, maybe 10? What are you doing that young being up so early? Well, I'm a nerd. I got up super early because I knew PBS used to play. <laughs> they used to do reruns of Reading Rainbow way early in the morning. Then after Reading Rainbow was done, I would watch Mr. Wizard. Yeah, I had no life. Then, I basically have no life now. Young Einstein was produced, written, and directed by Yahoo Sirius. That is not a joke. That is the man's stage name. I won't say it's his actual name. It is his stage name. Um, the poor guy later on in life, I guess he fell on some hard times and decided that he wanted to he wanted to sue the search engine Yahoo, and that didn't work out well for him. They, they threw out the case. Uh, geez, you know, why would a search engine be named after this this guy? Uh, I'm not going to be a jerk to him because, you know, young Einstein was it's it's OK. I don't want to be that mean to somebody who really tried to put their heart and soul into their first project. Now, this movie 
was made for little to no money at the beginning. They filmed an hour of it and had to stop and put it on hiatus due to budgetary reasons. They Basically, they ran out of money. They went through so many different distributors. They tried to get just a little bit more money. The uh, Yahoo actually sold his house and did all kinds of things to keep this, you know, keep this movie running. Didn't happen. Somewhere down the line, HBO said, hey, there's an Australian. He might be funny. This guy might be the second coming of Crocodile Dundee, which is blasphemous. But, oh well. They did their best. They upped the, the budget to $5 million. Yahoo did not like the first hour that was, uh, that was filmed because obviously it was very cheap. So he went ahead and took that $5 million and redid the whole movie. That first hour, completely gone. As much as I like Lost Media, that is not something I really want to seek out and watch. And it's not because the movie is bad, or, nor is it really good. I would say that this movie is very neutral. I don't know what kind of humor the Australians have other than the Crocodile Dundee movies, and that seems like to be a, a one in a million shot. A lot of it is very dry, uh, very bland. This movie kind of, to be honest with you, it kind of drags. I remember watching this because I thought Yahoo himself looked ridiculous. If you really want to know what he looks like, uh, try to visualize Drop Dead Fred mixed with Job from The Lawnmower Man. And you get Yahoo serious. Maybe a little bit of Carrot Top from that shitty movie that he made, Chairman of the Board. You know, throw all those three together. Mix them all up and you get Yahoo serious. Just take out a lot of the humor. <laughs> I shouldn't be that much of a jerk to this guy, but uh, this movie is not by any means groundbreaking. It's not, I don't even think it's a cult classic. I think it was probably maybe a D or an F or, or a Z grade, possibly past the alphabet into like the semicolons and junk. That's the type of grade this movie is in, mostly because it drags so much that you just kind of go numb watching it. With this adaptation, we are told that Albert Einstein was born and raised in Tasmania. The main goal of this movie is beer. That's right. That's all it's about. At the beginning, we see that Albert and his family are apple farmers. They live in Tasmania. And that's all they eat is apples. Apple this, apple that. You name it, it's all apples. But also on the side, his father brews his own beer and he tells Albert hey if you think you're so smart if you can put bubbles in beer you would revolutionize everything change the world so Albert decides okay dad I challenge accepted I'm gonna go put bubbles in beer well he figures out how to split beer atoms and creates bubbles in beer using the formula E equals MC squared yeah this is just as dumb as it sounds his dad gets super excited. His mom, you know, is about to faint. And they tell him, go to the mainland, which is Australia, and patent this. The moment you patent this, we're going to be filthy rich. That's where our adventure starts. And it's not really a good adventure because, as I said a little while ago, this movie just drags and drags and drags. <laughs> knitting! <laughs> knitting! <laughs> knitting! <laughs> he meets another scientist by the name of Marie Curie. I'm not French, and nor will I try to 
to say that correctly because I'm, I don't want to butcher it more than I already did. He meets her. She is also another notable name in history. And then he meets a fictional character named Preston Preston. Preston Preston is a jerk. He is also the manager of the patent office. And he likes Marie also. What a perfect storm of things, right? This only spells nothing but disaster for Albert and his attempts to change the world. The humor in this movie really does not hit at all. And I'm being completely honest with you. I really wanted to like this movie because I really have not seen it in a little over 25 years. It's been that long. And the sad part is, is I've owned it for a very long time as well. And I never really gave it a, a second watch or a third watch or whatever it was. However many watches I had it when I was a kid, I didn't give it another chance as soon as I bought it. I felt like it was just one of those things to, that I know that I had it. And... This was really a nostalgia trip for me, but also I was kind of like, why did I like this movie in the first place? None of the jokes were just connecting with me at all. And I know that if you Google Albert Einstein, you can see that sometimes he's got his tongue out in some pictures and and he had a sense of humor. But honestly, I don't think he would have thought this movie was funny at all. I, I, honestly, I, I'm not going to try to pretend to know this man, but... I don't think he would have laughed. He probably would have turned his shit off and said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go write down some more equations on a chalkboard. But I will say this. The last 30 minutes of this movie are what I remember the most. These 30 minutes are the most enjoyable. The jokes were there. Everything was hitting perfectly. The timing, everything was just enjoyable. The last freaking 30 minutes. And then that's when I answered my own question. What made me like this movie in the first place? That was it. The moment Albert gets admitted into the lunatic asylum is when everything starts to become funny. Um, I kind of feel like this movie was probably written backwards, as probably most movies are, and they probably ran out of steam trying to write the beginning of it. Preston Preston steals... E equals MC squared and tells everyone that he created the formula and that he was able to put bubbles in beer. Now his name is everywhere. It's on newspapers. Albert and his girlfriend Marie are trying to stop it. That's pretty much the gist of when he gets locked up into the asylum because Preston's like, no, this man's crazy. He needs to be admitted into a hospital. Albert then meets a man by the name of Brian Aspirin who was admitted for creating drugs, as you can tell by his last name. This movie does get extremely ridiculous and slapstick funny, as I said, in the last 30 minutes. But the most memorable part is the Nobel Peace uh, meeting or gathering that they're having. It's, they're having this big party. Preston is about to get the Nobel Peace Prize. And there are some notable names in that. Sigmund Freud, who... who gets busted picking his nose by his own mother in this scene. The Wright brothers are there. Thomas Edison is showing off his light bulb invention. And the whole thing is centered around this humongous keg that Preston Preston has built. This keg was supposed to dispense beer with bubbles. But he ended up not knowing that splitting so many atoms at one time creates an explosion. 
and now this thing has become atomic. It is now an atomic bomb. Albert and his girlfriend Marie try to stop it because Albert has created a new style of music that he likes to call roll and rock. It's not necessarily called rock and roll just yet, but he created it by inventing an electric violin, which we all know by the time you, if you ever see this, it's a guitar. He creates an electric guitar, meaning that Albert Einstein created bubbles and beer and rock and roll. This movie gets a little bit more ridiculous as time goes on, but he plugs that into the keg and starts playing these heavy, fast riffs. And, uh, you know, he's able to defuse the bomb while taking in all the radiation and pretty much exploding himself to where he's, you know, pretty much all of his clothes is all ashes and stuff like that. So Albert Einstein not only was the smartest man, but like I said, he made bubbles and beer. There was also a scene where he created surfing. That's right. He made a surfboard out of wood he carved himself and decided to try to teach his girlfriend about it. Um, this movie. Uh, who wrote this? You know what? I know who wrote this, and that's the sad part. Thanks a lot, Yahoo. Anyways. And he created rock and roll. This movie is all over the place. It's not as funny as it may seem. Like I said, if you're going to watch it, if you're going to download it or anything, just skip to like the last 30, 35 minutes. I can't stress that enough because it's not good. It is not a good movie. Uh, I sat and I watched this in disbelief like, wow, I used to watch this religiously daily at, at times. How? How did I get through this movie so many times and still want to watch it the next day? Something was wrong with me, and that probably shaped a lot of my childhood in the first place, and that's sad. Once again, thanks a lot, Yahoo. Yahoo tried to make some other movies later on. Uh, one of them was called Reckless Kelly, which was garbage. And then in 2000, he made Mr. Accident, which was another piece of garbage. Uh, he just couldn't capture the... the. I'm not even going to say magic, because this movie is not magical, not one bit. Uh, my eyes were burning trying to watch this. And as I said, a movie about Albert Einstein, you sure do feel dumb when you're when it's done. It, it, you're just there like, oh, wow. Okay, the only smart thing about this movie is the actual equation that Albert wrote himself. Like the real one wrote. It, it, there's nothing more I can say about this movie. And I'm not even going to try to make you guys go out and look for this. Uh, I'm not going to link anything in the show's description because this movie, you actually have to buy it. And someone as dumb as myself went out and bought it twice. Don't ask. Hey, are you all ready for a little bit of history? Great. Here we go. In 1955, when Albert Einstein died, seven hours after his death, his brain was stolen by pathologist Thomas Harvey. Harvey wanted to study his brain to see what made it so much more different than an actual normal human brain. Now, this was against Einstein's wishes because Einstein did not want his brain donated, studied, worshipped, any of that other junk. He just wanted to be cremated and that was it. But Harvey had other plans. When the hospital found out what he had done, 
they fired him from Princeton Hospital. And then they demanded the brain back. Hey, look, dude, you got to give this thing back. This ain't for you. He said, nope. And cut one of the greatest minds into 240 pieces. Stuck them in different jars. Preserved them. Sent them out to other leading pathologists around the world so that they could study slivers and broken pieces of this man's brain to see what made him tick. That freaking sucks. This man is a jerk. But I will say this. If you actually Google the pictures, Einstein's brain was crazy looking. There is... His brain was shaped different than ours. It was just really... It's fascinating to see. In one way, yes, you know, it's cool to see one of the smartest man's brains. And other things, look, this man's, he's dead. Why did you have to go and take his brain out? That really makes no sense. In 2010, all of Harvey's findings, including never released pictures of Einstein's brain. Now, remember, these are the exact pictures I told you all to go Google a little while ago. Because they are just, they're crazy to look at. To see the way that this man's brain was shaped is just nuts. But to also think that somebody had these pictures in their possession for 55 years is even more insane. And I'm pretty sure that whoever had all this stuff was probably the great, 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 great grandchildren of Dr. Harvey. 46 pieces is all that remains. And they are at the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia. That museum actually cut slivers of these pieces so that they can put them under microscope and the public can go and see Einstein's brain up close. I kind of feel like this man has become a freak show. But the biggest question that I have is, and there really is no answer, what happened to the other 194 pieces? You may be able to help solve a mystery. As usual, my social media will be linked in the show's description. And if you want to go out and look for young Einstein, that is up to you. I will leave that decision in your hands. <laughs> I'll see you guys next time. Just let me hear some of that rock and roll. Oh,